Meg. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am so good. I'm excited to talk about becoming hot. Becoming hot on what? Phone a friend <laughs> podcast hosted by us. Us. I'm Meg Rocco. And I'm Hope Woodard. And we are just really amped to be here. So amped to be here. So excited to get into this. Yeah. Get on topic. Should we reveal that we did try to record this the other day? We did. For about three hours. Oh, gosh. And why do you have to tell him that? <laughs> I want to be honest. Listen, we know how to talk. We know how to talk. And I think we said some good things yesterday, two not, days ago. Not everything was a miss. Not everything was a hit. Oh, I remember why. Because we, we lost our cool. We were a little tired. We lost our cool. We were a little grumpy. We were a little tired. We were a little hot. Yes. It was a little hot in here. It was a little... It was a little toasty. Which makes you emotional. Which makes me emotional. Me too. You as well. Yes. By the end of it, I lost the thread a bit. Dude, 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 I looked at you and I said, hey. Hope Hope literally went, first of all, it takes a lot for Hope to like cut me off. It takes a lot for me to tell someone to, hey, hold your horses. <laughs> hold your horses, literally. So at that point, I probably was on a tangent for approximately 15 to 20 minutes. Uninterrupted. And can I just say something? I had lost the thread about two minutes in. Dude, well, this is what happened. <laughs> Let me explain. Let me, can I explain? You can. Yeah. So we asked uh, our sweet Instagram followers. You all. You all. Maybe not you yet. Maybe you followed and unfollowed. Anyways. Anyways. Follow us. Whatever you need. Phoneafriend.pod on the Instagram. Which is honestly so cute that we have the little dot pod. The Instagram. Don't you love that? I really do. Our dot pod. Dot pod. I love that. So anyways, <laughs> we did a little AMA. We said we have an episode coming out on how to be hot, mm -hmm. figuring out how to be hot. And somebody asked the question, was it the Western Society? Yeah. So somebody asked the question, how do I find my hotness when I don't really fit in with like Western society's standards of hot? Something that we will be discussing later in we this will. episode today. But something about Meg is that she gets really protective. I do. She gets, you get so protective. I get really, here's what it is. I get very angry about various systems of prejudice and oppression. Yeah. How that then manifested was me <laughs> talking shit about people who are conventionally attractive by Western society standards. But I had and to that, say, I had to say, it's not an us versus them thing. <laughs> and what's crazy, too, is like it was that was never even my point. It's no. that I was so it's that I was so like riled up, so cranky, so like sweaty that I couldn't think of like the way to articulate what I was trying to say, which is that the system and people who reinforce that system. Those are people that I have beef with. It's hurtful. Yeah, it's really hurtful how how. Um, seriously some people take and enforce beauty standards yes just the people who reinforce it yes is what makes us makes us angry makes me turn into a little grim it makes you it makes me want to yeah not really with my words yeah with my words want to be like give an old tongue lashing yeah but not in a fun way but in an angry way. <laughs> but in an angry way. Yeah, in an angry way. Well, this is something I wanted to talk about last... Uh, uh, just two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> last time. But <laughs> I know people who have been so... Who have internalized Western beauty standards so much so mm. that they 
are big girls themselves mm-hmm. and are genuinely upset about plus sized influencers, plus yeah. size models, yeah. plus sized like just like uh, body like the body positivity in movement. I've had plus sized friends say they think it's bad. Well, and I think it's a double edged sword. Um because I think that the body positive movement in many ways has been such a huge like boon for people who are plus size and for people who, you know, exist in larger bodies and whatever. Um, and in other ways it can be this kind of like toxic positivity, right? Where it's like, if you do want to make a change to your body, which is something that we have spoken about, if you do want to make a change to your body, if you do want to lose weight, um, then sometimes it can be seen as you are going against the body positive movement. You're not with us anymore. You're not with us. You don't us. love yourself. Yeah. Where fat phobia comes in is if you think that other people need to do that. Right. Because being fat is like bad. Right. Or, or you, again, you have like an anger towards people who are fat or an anger towards yourself because you are fat. I also want to say this. I think if you are like... Obviously, we all struggle with wanting to change our bodies, need to change our bodies, whatever. But it's like if you keep putting the goalpost back for when you will love your body. Oh, yes. You'll never get there. No. You'll just never get there like that. And that's the thing about it, too, is it's like, oh, my body will be perfect when. If you catch yourself saying that, just know that like that when will just like most likely continue to change it will never when i have clearer skin when i lose another 10 pounds Mm -hmm. when i get botox when i get lip filler Mm -hmm. when i you know what i mean and so it's just like it's 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 just about like accepting and loving and celebrating your body right now yeah and you know treating it in a way where you're taking care of it yeah and if that care leads to something good Mm -hmm. fabulous great but we love ourselves regardless. We do. And I think even because I know some people struggle with, you know, the word love and like loving your body after spending so much time like hating it for years and years and years. And something that really like helped for me as I was kind of like desperately attempting to like liberate myself from this like fat phobic mindset that I had for my entire life growing up. Something that really helped for me in kind of like my own process, my own experience with it was sometimes love felt too hard for me, too distant from me. And I practiced just like feeling neutral towards my body. Right. Feeling like kind of just like nothing at all. Right. Like I had to move through apathy before I could move to compassion. I had to move Mm. from like hatred to apathy to compassion Mm. to get to the point that I'm at now where now I can look at myself in the mirror and be like, yes, hot. sexy yeah but for a while I just kind of had to look in the mirror and it was like that scene from Princess Diaries where she's like this is as good as it's gonna get (laughs) that was me probably for like a year dude but so let's go back let's go back Meg into our can I do kind of a going back sound effect oh yeah now take me back, Meg. <laughs> take me back. Okay. So the first, your first brush with, oh, this is what it is to be hot? Yeah, first brush with that. I, I think, like, this idea of hotness was defined by other people. My hotness was defined only by other people, only what uh, by what other people thought of me. 
And my first experience with hotness was when I was probably (laughs) was probably when I was like six. Six is young. Six is quite young. That's fresh on the earth. Six is young. Six is what? Kindergarten? Yeah. Young baby. Don't even know if I was in kindergarten at that point. Baby toddler. Little baby. Fresh out. Fresh out the the womb. Little Matt. No, girl. You're six (laughs) years out the womb. But okay, I've been (laughs) I've been sitting on the counter for a while. But that's young. But young. Thinking about being hot and being six. Come on, dude. Yeah. All right, keep going. Really tough. I was. I wanted to wear a two piece mm-hmm. on vacation, mm-hmm. and someone in my family who shall remain name na- nameless, mm. uh, told me that I did not have the body for wearing a two piece on vacation. First of all, kids say stuff they don't know what it means. Was it a kid or was it a was it not a kid? It was not a kid. <gasps> okay. Yeah. But. Again, what I will say, like, we have since discussed that experience. We have since, like, hashed it out and found, like, forgiveness in one another. And I have also recognized that, like, a lot of what everything that they were saying was come from what was taught to them as well. However, that was probably the first time that I was, like, aware of being perceived and aware also of, like, my body being something that other people perceived Mm. and judged Mm. and that it had to be a certain way for you to act a certain way yes these girls get to do this or to do certain things exactly and it's so interesting because my sister actually sent me and my brother photos of that trip the other day she just like found came across them and sent them to us and I was looking at like my six-year-old self and I remember being six and thinking oh my god I'm huge I remember being six and being like, I'm so like, I'm so fat. I'm like so ugly. And I was looking and I was like looking at those photos and I was like, oh my God, she literally just looks like a child. I'm so normal. I'm so normal. What is wrong with people? Dude. And it's like, so I just think truly it's like, cause my mom was similar and Mm -hmm. I had a big sister who Mm -hmm. was always, always being told what to wear, what not to wear, always being treated differently, Mm -hmm. always interacting with friends differently. And it's like, it's insane. What like systems make people think? Yes. Because the honest, the honest truth is my mom, though she was wrong in the language she used and in the lessons she taught and and what she did, she always thought she was protecting us. That's exactly, that's exactly what my mom thought as well. And your mom thought she was protecting you. Yep. And because, you know, our moms or parents or people who love us but say the wrong thing. Are fallible. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, like, I know my mom has always tried Mm -hmm. to enforce accepting our bodies or or looking and feeling beautiful but the way she does it is just so wrong yeah Yeah. listen it was just off the mark kind of misses the mark she just missed the mark most of the time yeah it's a fucking journey dude no yeah and i'll say this like i am very lucky in that now you know my mom and i are able to speak so openly and so lovingly about like these experiences right and speak to speak more truthfully about them. And that is in big part because I, at the age of 23 was like enough. 
Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like this. I think that that was such a big thing for me. And I'm, I'm skipping a bunch of steps here and I, I will go back and fill in some of this context. But I got to a point where I was like, it there has to be another way to live. There has to be another way to think. There has to be another way to like move through my life that isn't so tinged with hatred and self-doubt and like fear. Yeah. And that was the point that I got to where I was like, that was my enough point. And I want to say um, to anyone who is young and lost listening, hear us both when we say for Meg, it was when she was 23. Yeah. For me, it was when I was 25. Yeah. It takes a long fucking time, dude, because my experience with hotness growing up very much so was influenced by my mother. Yeah. And also just like my environment where Your I gr- where, where I grew up, my peers, I was always the fat friend. I, I all of my friends when I was growing up, they were skinny. And so I never felt hot. Mm. I always felt like I at best could just kind of skate by with being like invisible. Mm. Or if I was noticed, then I would be noticed in a way that was like amicable. Mm. Like, oh, there she is. She's not hurting anybody. Mm. Never too much. Never too much. Mm. Because I always felt like I was too much when I was a kid. From age 6 to age 23, I felt like I was too much. And so the idea of hotness, the way that I thought about it, which was hotness could only be achieved by other people looking at you and saying, you are hot. Mm. I never felt like that when I was young Mm. never Mm -hmm. I think at most I could look at myself in the mirror and be like there are certain things that I don't hate yeah actively about myself Mm. but this idea of like oh I I find I find these things hot about myself did not come until I was like fully an adult out of college and and adult. Uh, right, I'm right. Like, be like, careful with that, that word, put girl. That in, like, put that in be fucking... Be careful saying adult <laughs> around me. Put that in heavy fucking quotation marks, too, <laughs> because it was really just me being like, oh, what? I've graduated <laughs> college. <laughs> no, not an adult. I didn't feel hot in college, either. I recognized at that time in college, you know, when, when I got to college, like, I recognized that other people were expressing attraction to me Mm. but even then I was like well they're just being nice Mm. I was like they're throwing me a bone you know they're not they don't actually (sighs) see me this way they don't actually view me this way like I it was so those things were so disconnected in my brain that someone could look at me and see beauty in me because I had never done that right for myself right and I did not see that as what it was which was devastating right really awfully sad yeah infuriating yeah and untrue I accepted it as fact point being (laughs) without falling down that rabbit hole point being is that I grew up constantly believing that every card was stacked against me Mm. even though looking back on it now I can recognize that that was not true and I mean that every card was stacked against me 
in like hotness. Let's not get it twisted. I am from a very socioeconomically privileged background. I am like a white woman with every advantage in the world. Just want to put that out there in case someone's like, she takes an Uber from Manhattan to Brooklyn sometimes. I listen. Sometimes. I was late for school today. <laughs> <laughs> I was late to school. I'm sorry. I was late to school. And we don't hold it against you. I have every advantage <laughs> in so in like so pretty much every other aspect of my life. I want to be very clear about that and I'm very aware of that. So I don't want people to think that but I'm let's not. Let's not downplay. That said, especially especially in higher socioeconomic circles, yes. your body is it, everything. Your body equates to your self-worth. And if it's not then Something is twisted. Yes. Like, and, 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 you know, I'm so glad that you're like calling that out. Mm-hmm. You know, we, uh, me too. Like we're both very privileged people, but mm-hmm. like, but like in higher socioeconomic circles, your weight is one of the most important things. Especially culturally with like cultural standing and like social currency, especially because acceptance. we have access to resources that can make our bodies smaller. Right. Right. We have access to joining the nice gyms, power core, getting the personal trainers, yoga. doing a cryo body freeze no. to get all the water juice. out of your. Oh, my juice, the juice. Juice is so expensive. Fuck juice, dude. Juice Fuck is juice. so expensive. So, like, you know, yeah, when I as a kid was growing up and at age 13 was taking power walks around the neighborhood with my Bang. friend who told me that it would be really good for me to do that. No, dude, you're kidding me. I am not kidding. Also, we should definitely bleep the name. (laughs) We're not really friends anymore. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, but that was very real. Totally. Where I was doing that every single Saturday because I thought that I had to. You know, yeah, you grow up believing a certain narrative about yourself. Right. When I got to age 23 and I experienced probably one of the worst heartbreaks that I have ever experienced in my life (sighs) and I was like I was like I can't do this anymore I'm so tired of depending entirely on what other people think of me for my own self-worth and self-validation and feeling like beautiful and attractive and like sexy and hot I'm so tired of this yeah that was when I started the process of like untangling all this shit inside me. Right. And me feeling hot didn't come for another probably like year and a half. So honestly, I was probably like 24 and a half, 25. Yeah. Um, Dude. And I would say that's like low key. So normal. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people think we've talked about this, how th- like you'll get to college and you'll feel like hot and sexy and really cool and very oh, adult. Oh, but it's so Oh, it's a nightmare. (laughs) Like, college is four years of you trying to figure out, like, what your style is, basically. No, college is, for me, anyways, college was just four years of just, like, drinking. Oh, yeah. And being, I don't even know. College, for me, the first year was basically me dissociating for an entire year because I hated where I was going to school. Oh, I forgot you transferred. Then transferring. Then also hating where I was, was again, because I was like, oh my God, is this going to be the same exact thing as it was last year? Mm. And then feeling like, okay, now I feel okay. Mm. <laughs> For like the, so like the last two and a half years were right. all right. Right. Um, that said, like it was not this like perfect paradise. Right. 
in which I was like, now I accept all of these things about oh, myself. Sure. I mean, it's a constant battle. It's a constant battle. Even when you say right now, oh, I've like, and me too. It's like, oh, I fully accepted. Right. There are still Dude. days where I wake up and I look in the mirror. And I'm like, I look like shit. I wake up and I look in the mirror. Sometimes I look at my smile lines because they're going to be deep, mama. Well, and I am so curious, like your experience with hotness, yeah. your experience with feeling beautiful, feeling attractive, all of this stuff. Because you and I have had very different experiences. Like, where did that start with you? When do you think you were first aware of it? H how has it changed for you? And, like, where do you feel that you are now? That's a lot that I just threw at you. Oh, I got I know you. that. I got but you. I'm curious about all of these things because I like knowing things about you. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, okay, I think what's so interesting is that in my household, hotness and being attractive was never really the goal and was never really the conversation. And also, like, I came from a pretty religious fa father. I had a pretty religious dad. Mm -hmm. So anything that was too revealing, I could not wear. I see. Any shorts too short, anything. And, you know, I'm a pretty conservative dresser now. What are you talking about? <laughs> not, my, not my top button done. The like, next you know recording I mean? us doing being dressing like a slut. <laughs> that being the topic. But so, like, growing up, you know, I always wanted to be likable. I was always cute. I was always a pretty good girl. But then my parents got divorced. And my big rebellion, I was a long-haired cheerleader girl. And my big rebellion was getting that big pixie cut, that Miley chop, that Sinead O'Connor yeah, cut. Dude. Where I just cut off all my hair. And I remember I was a junior in high school, and we were, like, sitting in AP English class. I had this teacher named Miss Clanaris. Love it. And she taught us about David Foster Wallace yes. and, like, rhetoric. Yeah. She was so cool, dude. Yeah. She was so cool. She's still cool to this day. Like, I'm so thankful for her. And I was, like, sitting in her class, and I was, like, I have to cut off all my hair and I have to do this for me. Mm -hmm. So I made an appointment. I drove myself over. I had to convince my hairstylist to cut my hair. She was like, you've been thinking about this for a long time, right? And I was like, yeah, months. Totally. Months. I thought about it for one day. Right. Sa same day appointment. Yeah, of course. I go and she cuts it all off. And she was like, you're going to cry. And I was like, I'm not going to cry. She cut it all off. I didn't cry. Yeah. But I go over to my grandma's house. And I'm waiting for my mom to come see it. Did you tell your mom? I did tell her. Okay. And she comes over and she sees me and she goes, let's get you some good earrings. <gasps> Ouch. And then I cried. <laughs> <laughs> let's get you some good earrings. Mom. Let's get you some good earrings. I tell her, I bring this story up to her and she's like, what? I think not. I just met. I mean, she was right. But here was my here's what I mean to say by all of that is like I got that pixie cut and then I decided, look, I get to do and dress and whatever I want, however I want. Yeah. And then I had about six years of just figuring it out. Like if you go back and look at my high school pictures, some of my college pictures, some of my time in D.C. when I was fully 23, 24, you're, I, mean, I look at my I look at myself and I'm like. What was she doing? Yeah. What was she got? What was she going with? Yeah. Growing up, I had this best friend, and she was the hot one. Yes. And it was me and her, thick as thieves. Mm -hmm. And every time we would meet a group of boys, the boy always liked her. 
And I was just it's like, it's really tough being friends with the hot friend in high school. I know. And so I'm just like, whatever. So I just like, <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> Fucking Deuce's partner. Yeah. Oh, you're interested in my Take buddy? Her. Take her. <laughs> I'll hang out. Yeah. I'll hang out. And I'm Listen, here too. I'm having a great time over what here. What are we playing? COD? <laughs> we playing Call of Duty, brother? COD. <laughs> COD Black Ops. Got that on the on the Xbox there, I can play. I can play that. I can play. Y'all do your thing. I'll the just zombies right scare here. me a little I'll bit, right but here. I'll play. But so, like, being hot... <laughs> It, I was always likable. I was always accepted. I was always, like, in the room. Yeah. But I was never the hot girl. Yeah. Until I would say I was, like, honestly, I got sober. Mm-hmm. Honestly, getting sober, like, just connected me with myself. Yeah. And then I liked myself. Yeah. And I think that's all that being hot is, is it's liking yourself yeah accepting yourself feeling confident when you walk into a room and and we've talked about this like needing we all always need a little bit of external validation that's always gonna be you know a part of our our psyche and our thought process but yes i sort of just like reached a point where i was like i know what i like and sort of as you were saying i know what i like about me I know what I do have to offer mm-hmm. and you know, I feel kind of confident in that because, because being hot is actually just being sort of magnetic. I think, I think it is too. Because who wants to be just hot? Cause also guess what? It's going to leave us all. Yeah. We are all aging. It's ephemeral. It is, it is so brief. Yeah. Our hotness. Yeah. Talking about standards again, standards of beauty. Mm-hmm. First of all, beauty standards are always going to change. Yes. Always. You cannot control them. No. And you have to figure out deep down inside of you what's hot. Yeah. Not what's outside hot. No. It's about what's hot. And how you present yourself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Totally. It's a mixture of the two. Dude, you are fucking hot. You're fucking hot. I dude. see you and your fits and your hair and your eyes oh and your God. skin. Oh my your God. glowing skin Stop. and your smile and your humor and your intelligence. But I'm not kidding. That's what being hot is. Like Truly. I look at you and I'm like, you do know how to be hot. Thank because you. you know exactly what you're working with. Yeah. You know exactly what you want to wear. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what like it's confidence. It's working what you've got. Yeah. It's, it's being unafraid to step into a room and take up space. Yeah. The very first night that I met you, part of why I was so intimidated was because I was like, oh my God, she's so hot. So did you though. You were Thank wearing you. that red skirt. Yeah. And you had on that amazing black and white dress. Oh God. We, with the boots. Oh, uh, we looked really hot that night. We looked night. sexy my as hell. My hair was like shortcut, short, oh, short. Oh, it was so my good. Oh, I saw God. you flitting around and I was like, we God. looked so hot when we first met yeah. each other. Yeah. But literally, I'm 27 now. I have never been hotter. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Could not agree more. I just keep getting. Yeah. It's just I feel like, the same about myself. I feel like the, we're just trending up. Trending up. Yeah. It's only trending upwards. People are so scared of their late 20s and their 30s. I'm like, I'm so excited. I feel better and better like every day. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know it's going to be tough. Like life is life and people will, you know, friendships will continue to be tough and relationships and love and life and work and everything. But like, I'm excited. I'm excited too. I'm excited for the here and now though. Same. And I'm right excited now, for all of it. Oh, listen, we like life. I love life. I love a little living. Love to live. Love a little laughing. Love a little loving. Love. 
Oh. <laughs> but we got a couple questions. We do have some questions. We're going to start with this question, which is coming from a beautiful listener of ours. Um, a friend of mine. I actually know who wrote this question. We know. Shout out to you. Should we say her name? Julia. Julia. <laughs> we love you. When I see Someone my friend. Someone who is famously. Gorgeous. Hot. Hot. Beautiful. I look at. No. Every time I see her, I'm like, I'm so mad at you. I met Julia and I was like. She's so oh hot. She's like, so hot. And her only stu- has beautiful friends. She's insanely hot. She's insanely gorgeous. Wow. Yeah. So Julia sent in this question. Thank you, Julia. Which is, how do I not compare my hotness journey to others' hotness journeys? Well, I want to say, when you look at someone, because we look at Julia, and we're like, oh my God, that dime. Yeah. We're like that Smoke hot show. Ass. Yeah. Not really. But kind of. A little bit. You know, so from our I don't perspective- know Julia that well. I do want to be respectful of her. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Nothing but disrespect from me. <laughs> Lots of respect from me. <laughs> and a little bit. And that's a little devil and angel. Yeah. That's a little devil on one woop, side. Woop. A little yin and yang. Yeah. You know, yeah, 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 like yeah. A little yeah. respect, a little disrespect. A little. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Give it. Hey. Hey. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, okay. All right. <laughs> so what I want to say is like, no matter how hard you try not to, it is the world we live in and the opportunity to compare yourself is constant yeah and so i've been telling myself and when i journal in the mornings oh i'm a jealous person i'm a jealous person but today i made the switch and instead of writing i am jealous i've just been writing like i'm feeling jealousy because i think when you label it that way you get to get more curious about it and i think it was in the artist way that i read about this but just like when you're comparing there's obviously some feelings of jealousy and the way I believe it's the artist way, the way that talk that book talks about it is like, what can that signal to you? Your jealousy or your comparison should just be an indicator or a clue about something mm-hmm. and to get curious about it because nine times out of 10, I would even maybe say 10 times out of 10, if we're comparing ourselves we're searching for something and we're lacking something in our own lives. Mm-hmm. What am I lacking right now that I'm feeling sensitive about? Mm-hmm. What's going on in my life right now that I feel insecure about? It's like a a, a part of being human is to be jealous. Simply. Yes. Simply. Yes. And so how to deal with it correctly is, is the only thing you can do because it's never going to go away. My advice would be like if you catch yourself comparing, and you will, Because I think the question was like, how do you not do it? Yeah. You know, we can all try not to. But it's going to happen. It is going to happen. It's like someone being like, don't think of a pink elephant. Exactly. And then that's all you can do. Exactly. Exactly. It's just going to happen. Because because that's the world we live in. We live like in a scarcity mindset world where we're constantly saying, we live in like the rat race world, the keeping up with the Joneses. What was I about to say? Joneses. Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the... (laughs) And damn it, can I tell you something? The Joneses have everything. They have everything, dude. They have everything they have the that biggest I house. want. They have the nicest car. Fucking Joneses. They have the most. Jo- Joneses. <laughs> dude. Hate those guys. Hate those guys. But, like, there will always be someone who's better than you. Yeah. There will always be someone who has more than you. Mm-hmm. There, will, there will always be someone who you are perceiving 
to have it more figured out than you. Yes. And that's just not going to stop. Potentially, once you become more and more okay with yourself, and if you become a meditation guru and you remove yourself from all human want and destroy your ego, let me know. Let us know. But otherwise, uh, it's just not going anywhere. No. So once you feel it, and this is, I think, you know, the advice for every single feeling that you have, get curious about it. Mm -hmm. What is this saying about me? Where is this coming from? Am I sad in my job? Mm-hmm. Do I want to be more creative? What do I want to express that I'm not able to express right now? Because here's the thing with me and my hotness. I am at my hottest when I feel the most confident. Mm-hmm. I am at my hottest when I feel like my life is a bit in order. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I compare most often when I feel like my life is not in order, when I don't feel confident about what's going on in my life. Yeah. So I think they're all sort of hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this is about being hot, but I just think it's about the practice of comparison and how to stop yourself and what to do when you feel those feelings. Yeah, absolutely. I, and like, I, I think you covered it so beautifully. Like I agree that I think comparison is just going to come up. I think for me, for my own personal experience, mm-hmm. it's how can I, Uh, stem the flow of shame Mm. that follows after I compare after I feel jealousy and then like shaming myself for Mm. feeling jealous Mm. and being like I shouldn't feel that way it's Uh dumb that I'm feeling that way Uh no I know and And then I'm like beating mm -hmm. myself up for feeling jealous what I have started to do just as like a practical thing for myself instead of looking at it as like I shouldn't be feeling this way I shouldn't compare myself I have started telling myself like it actually makes a lot of sense that I feel this way. Right. It makes sense that I feel this way because I have been really struggling with this thing. Uh Uh-huh. Me looking at someone and being like, God, I wish I had the body that they did. Right. And then being like, I'm so stupid. I shouldn't feel that way. Like I shouldn't compare myself. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be mad at this person for having something that I don't. Instead, I reframe it as it makes sense that that feeling would come up for me Mm. because that's something that has existed within me for so long. Mm. Like that feeling has existed within me for so long. And I have been taught to want that thing that Mm. I don't have. Mm -hmm. That has been like taught to me. That was a learned thing. So that has really helped me in the process of like comparing myself to others and things like that is rather than shaming myself Mm -hmm. and saying, I shouldn't compare. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that saying it makes a lot of sense that these feelings are coming up for me right Uh and I am going to actually be even nicer to myself now that I know this thing about me you really talked me off the ledge the other day when I was comparing that was a it was a comparison moment I it it is one of my biggest weaknesses Mm -hmm. jealousy and comparison Mm -hmm. It's so fear-based. Yes. Always. Yeah. And I think that's what jealousy and comparison comes from, too, is it's, like, so fear-based. It's so scarcity mindset. Yeah. It's so uh, there's not enough for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so interesting because whenever I look at people who I think are, like, wonderful, beautiful people, I'm never looking at what they don't have. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at everything mm-hmm. that they have. And I also forget everything I've done. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. Everything. And that's what I've been really doing for myself recently. Yeah. Is like, because you know what? I'll be like, oh, this person is this, this, this. And then I like, I'm like, I've never done anything. Literally. I have nothing. No, same. I'm empty on this earth and no one knows my name. And then I'm like, you, you, you know, you know what I've been sort of saying to myself recently? Mm. I've been shaming myself, but in a supportive way. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> how dare you? Yeah. Like, how dare you be so ungrateful yeah. for what you do have yeah because i think like and you know you can get a little bit mad at yourself and i get mad at myself for feeling some things sometimes again not in a shameful way but just in a way of like sister you have got enough right let it be enough right and i think that's just like what you have to coach yourself on to every day okay what's our next question the question that we are getting into now is how do i decenter the male gaze in the process of finding my hotness and that is a really hard thing to decenter from your life why are you laughing at me just because of how male gaze sounds like male gaze male gaze yeah <laughs> shout out to my male gaze and you know what i want to dress for the male gaze i don't want to dress for the male gaze yeah and that pretty much sums it up <laughs> But that is still the patriarchy. That is still, unfortunately, that is still a patriarchy. Oh, survey, sa survey says. Sorry, boys. Still the patriarchy. Sadly, <laughs> it is a really difficult thing to decenter, And I think you and I have both really struggled with this because as mm. kind of I spoke to earlier, that was like my entire life growing mm. up was kind of seeking out external validation, typically from men. And I think you had similar experiences to that. Mm. And I think that it is like a different process for everyone. And I think that when we think about like, oh, how do we decenter and how do we how do we like completely move out of this space? I don't think it's that black and white. Mm. Me personally, how I have kind of like liberated myself from, you know, the male gaze, decentering from this idea has come from a lot of like internal work that I spoke to before. Mm. A lot of therapy, a lot of like self-reflection, mm -hmm. a lot of thinking about like how I ended up becoming the person that I am today with the, the viewpoints that I have today. I have had to work so hard to walk away, learn to walk away from a date or an interaction with like a man and be like, do I even like what they have to say? Mm. Do I even respect their opinion? Do mm -hmm. I even value their opinion? Mm -hmm. Or has that just been taught to me? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that for me has been like the huge shift where when I am interacting with like men now, it's not about do they approve of me? Mm. It's about do I approve of them? Mm. Do I approve of what they have to say? Mm -hmm. And Again, that takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's like a one-size-fits-all type situation. But that has been like what has worked for me. It's like, let me pause, let me pull back. Right. Just focusing on yourself. Yeah. And focusing on how you're feeling. Yeah. And I think like how to get away from presenting yourself in a certain way that you think will capture the male gaze mm. is to just ask yourself just check your intention mm -hmm. as we talked about like for me now when I get dressed when I go shopping when I get my hair cut I know that what I'm putting on and what I'm doing is going to make me the most confident version of myself I think that performance is a really hard thing to like disconnect yourself from right but I, d I do think that 
for me, sometimes, and maybe this isn't like the most healthy way to think about it, so take it or leave it. But sometimes I'm like, I'm performing for myself. Mm, me too. And sometimes that helps. Yeah. Like today I was like, I want to kind of look like a little cowboy. <laughs> and they said, yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> Beep. <laughs> but like, is this go? Is this like canonically an outfit that would like fall under like? The male gaze approval? Nah. Probably not. But who cares? I don't give a fuck. And that's another thing, too, is, like, if you dress how you want to dress, if you express yourself how you want to express yourself, the right person will notice you. Yeah. And it's, like, you want to get a look from someone who likes the way you are when you feel like yourself. Yes. I'm going to paraphrase one of my favorite TikTokers, Dave Brazen, Mm -hmm. and say... You no, you cannot wear the wrong thing in front of the right person. Love. Because I could come in here wearing like one of those inflatable T-Rex out costumes right. with like a big tutu. Right. And you'd be like, "Okay, dino slay." Like it, you're right. And I'd be like, "Thank you." And the person who is meant to see you and connect with you will see you and connect with you. Yeah. And someone who doesn't like excuse my French fuck with what you're wearing like you don't want to fuck with them like, yeah you know what I'm saying like yeah let what you wear let your style be a filter you know what I mean because to mm-hmm. me that like says something about them yeah so like dress for yourself and the right person will notice you when you just dress for the male gaze I think you're just dressing like you're not thinking of yourself you just yeah. gotta focus on yourself absolutely check your intention check your intention easier said than done but just keep that in mind. Yeah. Let that be a bit of a um, safety blanket when you're going out in something that's maybe different, but you feel confident in or different, but you want to wear like it will filter out the wrong people and find you the right people. Mm-hmm. I've never gotten more compliments from people than when I'm w- just wearing what I want. Dude. Yeah. But you slay. Thank you. It's because I wear what I want. I say that on every podcast. I'm like, <laughs> every single time we've ever talked, I'm like, you look so good. You sound so good. I think you're so cool. I love you so much. Can you please dress me? Will you please be my stylist? What are you doing? <laughs> and you know that I will. All right. I would love going. to style someone. What's our next one? How do you find your hotness outside of Western mainstream standards? Okay. I want to talk about this one. Yeah. Because, not because I'm outside of Western mainstream standards, but because. Famously. Famously <laughs> cute. Famously cute. Famously, famously likable. Yes. Famously relatable. Okay. <laughs> I get it, dude. Built a brand off of I it. I get it, dude. Wee woo, wee woo. But <laughs> um, immediately when I read this question, I remembered this podcast that Brene Brown put out in 2018 with Sonia Renee Taylor, who wrote the book, uh, My Body is Not a, an Apology. And it is so perfect. And I just really don't think there's anything I could say that is any better than that. And something I re-listened to the podcast today and something they were talking about is like Sonia Renee Taylor has this idea of like being an ally to your body. And uh, Brene Brown is like was talking about how like she was trying to be an ally to her body. And then she realized she was like practicing performative allyship. Which I just really hit home for me. 
because it's like we can say we love our body and we can say we're advocates for our body and our space and our in ourselves or whatever but like we know when it's performative yeah and something that like uh sonia renee taylor like just talks so much about is like radical self-love mm-hmm. and she doesn't really believe in like just self-acceptance she's like you have to radically and actively love yourself mm-hmm. you know what i mean and de- and and not in a performative way yeah because western beauty standards you know and as we sort of talked about earlier in this episode like all beauty standards will change and also you are you and your body you're constantly constantly changing mm-hmm. so you have to like radically love your body yourself whatever because Standards are always changing and your body's always changing. Well, it's so interesting because you mentioned this the other day and I did not realize that she, this was the author of The Body is Not an Apology. Ah, yes. And I started working with a nutritionist, like a weight neutral nutritionist about three years ago. Okay. Which we can talk about more in our Letting Go of Diet Culture episode. Yeah, so interesting. And she recommended the book, The Body is Not an Apology to me. Wow. And I bought it. Uh Uh-huh. And I started reading it. Uh Uh-huh. And then I was like, this is too hard. I completely agree with you that that radical self-love is the goal, Mm. right? And I also think that it is incredibly daunting Mm. to exist as a person who, like, is trying to go from, like, hating yourself to radically loving yourself. Right. It's like, okay, but, like, what do I do in the middle? Right, but, like, how? How do I get there? How do I get there? How the hell do I get there? It's not going to happen. It's just, right. Mm -hmm. And so, for me... I don't I think when I first got the book I wasn't really at that point where I was like I don't think I'm at this point in like my journey yet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to be able to like do this right in a way that doesn't like trigger anger in me or mm. that kind of a thing so I think when it comes to impractical I think when it comes to practice mm. and how we start this process we start we take the first step down the path Mm -hmm. right for me it was about looking at what it is that I am consuming Mm. and looking at the narratives that I am consuming specifically about media specifically about beauty Mm. and what is considered like hot or not Mm. that just that turned into like me looking at Instagram and changing my explore feed so now that only the only things that come up if they are people because a lot of times they're vintage cakes as we talked about the other day (laughs) meg's entire discovery page on instagram is vintage cakes i like watching them get decorated peaceful very peaceful i was so jealous (laughs) i hate my discover page it's been so curated how did you do that I watched so many videos of vintage cakes getting That's decorated. That's so funny. It's always stuff that triggers me on my Discover page. Yeah. It's always stuff that triggers my jealousy and comparison Dude, on it's my really Discovery hard. page. So I, I made like a conscious effort to be like, I only want to see stuff that I like. And so when people, and not vintage cakes, do pop up on my Instagram <laughs> Explore feed, they are often plus-size people. Yeah. Or people who look like me. And right. people who I can look at and objectively say, like, I think that they are so beautiful. Right. And that was just, like, a practical thing that I did. Right. I also, in so many ways, surrounded myself with people who accepted me as beautiful and told me I was beautiful, like, vocalized that to me. Yeah. In ways that I, like, didn't really experience when I was younger. 100%. And I think that 
I chose myself to not really stand for anything less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if mm-hmm. my friends don't think that I'm like a beautiful, gorgeous little angel, just like I think they're a beautiful, gorgeous little angel. Mm. Then what are we doing? What are we doing here? What are we doing? If you don't think I'm a beautiful little angel, then what are you doing sitting what across from me? Doing? What are you doing trying to hang out with me? Oh my God. We've got no time for it. We've got no time. No, but you're absolutely right. Because I think, I think this is actually where in our last recording, we might've gone off the rails a bit, a little bit because there are unfortunately people out there who think the current beauty standard actually matters. Ooh. Ew. Loser behavior. Loser. Oh, loser. oh, you believe in Western mainstream standards of beauty? Come on. Come on. You uphold oppressive systems? <laughs> loser alert. Literally, though, because yeah. like there are people who there are people who let that run their lives. Totally. And it's just like it's just like I said, it's such a is is this the right word? Tenuous? Such a tenuous thing to put weight into. Yes. Because it can constantly change. Yeah. And for the people who fit it right now, young, hot, thin, blonde, uh, whoever looking, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if it's blonde anymore, really. You know, but uh, who knows? Whatever it is right now, uh, we will change out of it. Yeah. When we're 60. Yeah. 65. It's ephemeral, dude. When we're old and wrinkly, shit's ephemeral None as of hell. us are going to be in that. Be- so you got to figure out, like, how do you feel hot outside of whatever the standard is? Because yeah. who knows what it's going to be tomorrow or next week or in a year or whatever. Right. You know. And those people who do uphold those systems. Low key. Low key. You're so much cooler than those people. I'll say it. Was that mean? No, you were perfect. Okay. But I guess. My overall answer for that one is listen to that podcast Mm -hmm. and then maybe read the book. But as you say, maybe it's maybe when you're ready. Yeah. Maybe Maybe when when you're ready. ready. It starts with whatever you feel you can do. Yeah. You know, whatever you're ready for. Yep. Oh, it's so hard to be in the depths of it, though. In the oh, thick of it. dude. And if you don't have the right friends, you just really have to make sure you're hanging out with people that know you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's you can put your foot down. Yeah. You can put your foot down. You, and can, s- you can always call someone out and say, it was kind of weird that you said that to me. Totally, dude. I've done that one time. Okay. Can I go on a quick tangent? Please. Well, we only have one more question left. Well, so I, think we're okay. I was uh, with a girlfriend of mine who um, I think she does not realize how she's fat phobic. And mm. she was telling this story and um, she goes, she's telling the story about two girls. She yeah. says the pretty one and the ugly one. And I go, whoa, like I say, what are we doing? Whoa. And I'm like, and I'm like, let's use some different descriptors. And yeah. she goes, uh, the skinny one and the fat <gasps> one. And, and that flew all over me. Yeah. And I let it slide in that moment mm-hmm. because I was like, yo, she doesn't know what she's saying. Like, she said that so flippantly. She has no idea the weight that it holds. She has no idea what she just said. But so the next day, we're sitting together. And again, I'm able to say this because it is not personal to me. Yep. And I'm able to call her out because I am, I look like her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so we're sitting together and I say, hey, I just need to let you know yesterday when you said that, I was like, what did you really mean by that? Yeah. Because I said, you know, I've got someone in my life who has worked 
their entire life to be thin. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I have seen, like, her just give it all she's got. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, spend entire summers just, like, running every day and every night and dieting or whatever. And she's just got the body she's got, and that's it. Yeah. And that's it, dude. Yeah. And so I just sort of, like, brought that up to her and was like, it really hits home for me because, like, I grew up with someone who um, dealt with, like, people like you. Yeah. Saying shit like that. Yeah. And I said to her, I was like, I know that's not what you mean. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good way to call people out mm-hmm. is to just, one, be like, get curious about it. What mm-hmm. did you mean by that? Yeah. And also let them know that you think that they're better than that. Yeah. Because I do. I'm like, you are a loving person and you are an accepting person. And what you said is not representative of that. Yeah. And if they're your true friend, because I've been called out, too. My sure. best, uh, I've been called and I need to be called out. We need to call out our friends. Yeah. We need to be able to call out our friends. Yes. And so like that's just another thing. Exactly what you said. Don't be afraid to call them out. Mm-hmm. But also if you're a friend and you see it, it you have to ca- you have to be ready to call your friends out mm-hmm. in a gentle way. Yeah. And I don't mean make them the enemy. I don't mean villainize them. I don't mean say that they're awful, awful, terrible people. Because people mean well. I think another thing to remember and another thing to tell yourself, you are not morally worse for looking the way that you look. However you look does not equate to your morality or your goodness or your worthiness. Isn't it so crazy that you even have to say that? I just, yeah. And I say that because I told myself the exact opposite for so many years yeah that I was not worth happiness I was not worth love I was not worth being loved by others until I lost weight (sighs) and whenever I would picture myself in the future happy I would picture myself in the future thin yeah and so and that I mean I can't speak to again like not being white or you know having like a unibrow or having like a big nose or something like that something that exists outside of the western standard of beauty but I can empathize with those feelings yeah because I have felt them myself right that your looks do not equate to your morality yeah and you are exactly enough as you are that's a heavy question heavy question that was my favorite question loved that question yeah absolutely loved that question as we move towards the end of this podcast we're gonna end on like a little lighter note our last Last question question from a boy from a boy (laughs) i love you guys i love guys but like you're sick (laughs) the testosterone if you're one of the sickos then we don't like you but if you're not one of the sickos if you're one of the sickos you deserve a redemption you deserve therapy you deserve love you deserve light you you deserve acceptance because you are human but i don't like you yeah and you might not get any of that from me. <laughs> Don't look for redemption over here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to handle that with God. I'm not the one. That's between you and the big guy. Whoever that guy is up there oh, for you. It ain't me. Call him or her it or whatever. It ain't me. Anyway. <laughs> from a sweet boy. A sweet, sweet boy. Pants for men. What's the deal with whips? <laughs> Do you want me to read? <laughs> I do have to say that I dated a guy 
And I bought him a pair of pants from Gap. He was a very tall boy. And the pants he was wearing, I was like, what's going on? He's got too much leg and he's not letting us, he's not letting it show. So I got him a pair of Gap pants and they looked so good on him. And he sent a picture to his entire family. Yeah. And they said, that is the, he's 33. And they said, that is the first time we've ever seen you wearing a pair of pants that fit. Wow. And so, Pants are tough for boys. Pants are tough for boys. And I want you to reach out, not to us. No. Go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Go somewhere. Go to a store and ask someone there whose job it is to help you. Yeah. But for this question, we typed it in to Miss Miss ChatGPT. Chat GPT. Yeah. And what did they say, Meg? They said this. The width of men's pants can vary based on fashion trends and personal preferences. Fashion trends can also influence the popularity of specific widths at any given time. So ask the person at the store where you buy pants. I feel like we nailed that. Say to them, say to them, hey, look at my legs. Look at my waist. How do I work with what I've got? Don't wear skinny jeans (laughs) if you're over six feet. Oh, God. Hey, and put on a fun pair of socks. The man who completely ghosted me in the winter, who was like my friend, and then he just like disappeared. I spoke to him at length about the fact that the pants that he wore were too tight. God. Not fitting properly. And I. What's wrong with them, dude? I am left now. Like, the only feeling that I have towards him now is that, God, I hope he found some wider fitting pants. You know what? And I love that you're wishing him well. Yeah. In that category. Don't come here for your redemption. Don't, Don't look come. to me. <laughs> Say it again. Say it again. Don't look to me to be redeemed. You ain't going to get it. I will point you in the right direction. Go to hell, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we're talking about... Hey, um, it's me, Hope. First of all, if you made it to the end of the episode, thank you so much. We are so grateful for you. Second of all, we wanted to use this song as the outro, but we are a little scared of getting sued. We just want to proceed with caution. Next week, we're going to be talking all about Sober October, how to party well, the lessons Meg and I have learned along the way. Uh, Until then, please enjoy Meg's rendition of Stevie Wonder's I Just Called to Say. I love you. I just called to say I love you. I just called, oh yeah, to say I care. I don't know the words. Okay, love you. Bye.